created live on Fireside. Perhaps you spent years creating the family you dreamt about. Maybe your marriage was still in the honeymoon phase. Either way, you realize now it's over. The hurt is deep and your friends, well, they may not understand the pain you're going through. Sometimes divorce brings about feelings of grief, despair, loneliness, and fear about your future. But know this, your marriage may be over, but your new life, that is just beginning. You can pick up the pieces, recover, and emerge stronger than ever. In this episode, I'll be sharing strategies that can help you see the light at the end of the tunnel. Brighter days are ahead, and now is a good time for you to prepare for them. I'm Dr. Lisa Summerhour. I'm here to remind you, this is your life, your journey. Divorce is not a destination. So I'm Dr. Lisa Summerhour, and this is Divorce is Not a Destination. I'm going to take you off there, and I think we might have been getting static because I had too many people up here. This is Divorce is Not a Destination, the podcast, and I actually am the creator of a proprietary program called Divorce is Not a Destination, where I work with women who have been, they're successful, um, but they are going through a difficult period in their life. They are in high-profile positions, and my program provides them with community support and confidentiality while they're dealing with uh, their divorces or after their divorce. And we work on four things primarily. We work on helping them get uh, uh, into a space where they can embrace being accountable. So they work on accountability. They work on alignment so that they're aligning their personal lives and the way they're showing up in the world with their faith and their values. They work on communication and then trust so that they learn to trust themselves again. One of the things that that I experience and that I've learned from talking with other people is that uh, sometimes you stop trusting your ability to make really good decisions for yourself. And that really can erode your confidence. So that's the the fourth thing that we work on. And today, uh, this evening, I'm going to be talking about coping with the hurt of divorce. So I know I've got a couple of people on here who have been through divorce. They're like veterans because it's been so long. Um, But I love that because they are able to give us that perspective thinking back to when it happened and then how they've gotten through it since then. And I love when uh, people, if you're on here and you want to share, this is always a kind of community conversation. It's always something where I want you to feel engaged in the conversation. But the coping with the hurt, uh, I'm going to start off by talking about the, the time span, because one of the things that I was learning reading up on this is that a lot of uh, therapists and counselors and folks that work with divorced people, when they ask, well, how long can I expect to feel like this? And the reality is it could be two years. They say to kind of give yourself two years. And that may sound scary, like, oh my gosh, I don't want to feel, (laughs) I don't want to feel like this for two years. It probably won't feel the same for the entire two years. I'll tell you why it's good to kind of have the two years in your mind. So you don't beat yourself up if it's eight months or 12 months or 15 months and you still feel like, man, I'm still finding things are coming up. It kind of lets you know that two years is not odd. If you're still dealing with things from your divorce or hurt from the divorce or trying to cope with emotions that came up because of your divorce, if you're still dealing with that two years later, that is not unusual. You are the only one who knows if it's enough that you need to go and talk to a professional. And I am always a proponent of getting professional therapy. And whether you need to do that at the beginning, week one, or it takes you a while because you don't feel like you're handling it on your own, 
whenever it happens, that means it's the right time for you. So go ahead and get the help. But so the two years thing, just kind of keep that in mind. Understand that your marriage is over, but your life is not over. So one of the things that I'm here doing every week is helping you remember no matter how bad things are right now, they can get better and they will get better. And you have to make the investment in that happening. So I'm going to be talking about a couple of things tonight, and I'm, I'm going to start off with your spiritual self. I'm going to talk about um, nurture your spirit while you're going through this. Now, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus Christ. That's my Lord and Savior. Whatever it is that you believe, I also have a Buddhist statue. In, me and my mom, we have a Buddhist statue in our dining room, which messes people up. I don't know why. Buddha is okay with me praying to Jesus. I talk to Buddha. I pray to Jesus. Um but whoever, whatever your higher power is, whatever that thing is that keeps you centered and in alignment with the universe, right? How are you doing with that as you're going through this? Because that could be the foundation, the grounding thing that you are missing. I had a, a client years ago, we were working just, it wasn't specific to divorce. It was just coaching to get her life kind of back in alignment. And I asked her about her spiritual practice and she was, she was Buddhist. And she said, but I haven't had my prayer area set up since I moved into my new place. And it had been a couple of years. And so we worked on making sure that she made that a priority. And so when she got her mat and everything, her incense, all of the things that she had that she used for her meditation and her prayer and her faith, when she got that back in, in, in alignment and was practicing it uh, every day, things started changing for her because it was really making her, she was out of balance because she wasn't uh, observing her faith. She wasn't practicing the parts of her faith that helped create um, some, some balance in her life. And so if you're going through a really difficult time, whether it's because of your divorce or not, sit down and ask yourself, what are you doing with your faith? What are you doing with your spiritual practice? Now, I'm going to be really honest. I know a lot of people who are uh, in faith-based who, who are faithful people in terms of a religious practice, when it comes to their divorce, sometimes that's where people have a separation with practicing their faith. In other words, they're not going to church anymore. They may not be going to their Bible study anymore. And it may be because they were brought up to believe that divorce should never happen. And so if you're going through a divorce or you're the cause of a divorce or you initiated the divorce, somehow that is an unforgivable sin that you are never going to recover from and there's a problem. So that can cause people to want to have a split and you're going to have to resolve that. I, I have a whole, I'm writing a book right now, just did a whole chapter on what the Bible says about divorce. So I could, that could be, that'll be a whole nother episode. But what I want you to, to do is sit down and really write down the things that you were taught and the things that you believe. Hey, Kim and Wanda, the things that you were taught and the things that you believe about divorce and see if they are negative or if there are things that are causing you anxiety, if they are things that are that are causing you to feel more hurt and they're troubling or if there is a way for you to recover from those things and have grace and love and joy in your life. Because if you can only look at that stuff and find something negative that's making you feel worse, I'm going to ask you to question what it is that you believe about the divorce, right? Um, and if you need to find someone in your faith to talk to or do some research on your own or find a, a faith-based support group for divorced people, 
then do that or look me up um, because it's really important so that you can maintain that connection to your faith that you have a faith that's not making that your faith and your spiritual practice is not making you feel worse right um, and it's amazing when people really sit down and break that down and realize that a lot of the anxiety that they're having isn't so much about how they were feeling about the divorce but it's how they were they're expected to feel about their divorce because of what they've been taught growing up so take time and and find a way to nurture yourself spiritually every single day whether it's you meditating whether it's taking time to pray if you read your your scripture your whatever your religious uh, uh manual is or book is um do those things regularly every day so if you can start your morning that way or if it's during your lunch break Maybe you take a lunch break and go someplace and sit quietly or you're in your office and give yourself that time to really meditate. Um, don't dwell on the things that are bothering you when you do that. So meditate and pray on the things that are working. Be really thankful. This is a great time to use your gratitude journal or have uh, just things of gratitude that you can say to yourself when you're in prayer um, and pray for peace. Pray for peace in your spirit, peace in your mind, you know, peace in your being. Pray for those things to come in and um, try not to pray uh, where you're mentioning all of the hurt and the pain. I hope that I hope that makes some sense. Um, I have a book that you see on the ticker tape there. It's called Loving What Is. The writer, the author is Byron. It's actually a woman. Her name is Byron Katie. Byron Katie, the book is Loving What Is. She has another one called I Need Your Love. Is that true? Both of them are good books. I, I do this one first because this is the one that I read first, and I think she wrote this one first. And what I like about the book is it really helps you work on accountability and acknowledging what's actually going on. So um, if you're inclined, you want to find something to read. It's not necessarily all of it's not a feel-good book. Uh, because sometimes accountability doesn't necessarily feel good, but it to me is one of the most empowering things you can do is to find out where, what am I accountable for? I may not have caused the problem, but I can be responsible for the healing. And when you do that, that's can, that can be really empowering for you. Um, I'm going to say, give yourself a break. And I talked about the fact that this could be a two-year process. So give yourself a break, really show yourself some grace and don't fight the feeling. I think, when, when was that a saying? Fight the feeling? I don't remember when that was. Was that the 70s? Anyway, don't fight the feeling. And what that means is you're going to have a bunch of emotions that may be trying to come up. And sometimes people try to pretend that they're not going through things, that they're dealing with it so well that nothing is bothering them. Like, no, I'm good. I'm fine. You're not good. You may not be good. You may not be fine. And it's okay if you're not good and you're not fine. You just want to find ways to still be healthy and dealing with it. But grieving is natural. So I, I'm going to go through the grieving stages, um, the different stages of grief. I'm not going to break down each one, but I'm going to give you the list because I want you to hear all of the different things that you are typically going to experience at some point during the grieving process. Now, you don't go through them in any particular order. So you may start with one and, and cycle through. You may repeat some. There's no rule on how many times you might go through them, but I'm just going to read through the list. So shock, denial, anger. And this is one, I think anger kind of 
some people try to avoid that. Then there are some people that go right to anger and stay there a really, really, really long time. <laughs> but so shock, denial, anger, bargaining, depression. Um, there's a period called testing, acceptance. And then I threw in rebuilding because I got this from another um, another reading that I was doing. So that's actually eight instead of seven. Um, these are all different stages that people are typically going to go through in some form or fashion when they are grieving, whether they're grieving from a loss due to a death or loss due to divorce. They're actually pretty much the same things, the same emotional stages that you're going to go through. And that's why this process could go on for up to two years, because you're dealing with a lot. You're dealing with a lot. And as things come up, that you're trying to process, they can bring up old feelings. And so you'll know what this is if you've ever been, you know, not even a divorce, just in a relationship and it ended and you're going through the hurt and you think you're okay. And then somebody tells you that they saw your ex with somebody in a mall. And all of a sudden, all this stuff comes up that you thought you had dealt with already. That's when you know you're still processing. You're still processing and that's okay. The good thing to do is acknowledge it find a healthy way to get to deal with it. And one of those might be through your spiritual practice. Maybe it's time for you to go do some breathing exercises and some meditation. And another one might be one of the things that I want to talk to you about coping with the hurt is to move. And I mean, physically move. So whether it's exercising um, or, you know, well, exercising, taking a walk, get up and walk around, go, this might be a time to get your gym membership back uh, reinstated. Um, there's something about getting your body moving. One, it gets your blood circulating. Two, it, they say it releases happy hormones, right? And so figure out what that looks like. And maybe you start doing some things that you've never done. So this would be a great time to do yoga. Um, yoga is great because there's actually a meditative and almost a spiritual component that's already built into yoga. Um, I had a friend of mine tell me recently that she started back to yoga a couple of months ago and her first yoga class after being out for almost a year, uh, she just started crying uncontrollably during the yoga and the instructor told her it might happen. And so there is this spiritual connection that a lot of people have when they do yoga. So you're already working on making sure you're keeping your, your spiritual um, habits and traditions. You're getting those back in order. So maybe yoga, because the other thing is it's, it's a low impact. You can do it at your pretty much your own pace. You're, you don't have to do these crazy stretching. You can do it in a, in a way that's comfortable for your body. And you've got somebody there walking you through it. So you're not doing it by yourself. And it also gives you a way to kind of get out and to some degree be able to socialize. So I'm curious to know if anybody here has ever done yoga and uh, what that did for you. Excuse me. And, and if you've gone through a divorce, what did you do to cope going through your divorce? How did you cope? So other than the, the moving or the exercising, um, you could travel. Yeah, I tra you could travel, take a vacation. I think one, two, everybody on here that I'm familiar with, I already know these are all people who love to travel. Kim, thanks for being here. And I'm not sure if I know Kim, um, but traveling. Now, look, you could do something extravagant if you can afford it. Book yourself on like the best vacation you've ever had in your life. And yeah, you can do it by yourself. 
I did a show uh, when I first started this podcast. One of my first shows was about traveling by yourself, especially for women traveling alone. Or if you've got a really good friend or a sister, somebody that you can travel with that you want to spend a week with, maybe they'll go with you on this first big vacation that you're going to take since you've been divorced. Um, or it could be a getaway weekend. I just did uh, two Airbnbs in one week. I had a conference in uh, San Diego and two business partners. And instead of us getting hotel rooms, I found a really cool three bedroom Airbnb. And then right after that, I found a villa in, in um, Temecula, California for a company retreat for six people. And so these are things that you can do where you're kind of home, but you're not right near your home. So find some place that's 20, 30 miles, an hour away from where you live and take yourself on your own little getaway for four days. Find an Airbnb and you can do that alone or take somebody with you because you can really find uh, Airbnbs in places where maybe you'll be in a condo, you'll be safer, you've got security, you got so many options, but taking a vacation allows you to get out of your current environment. And so, if, especially if you got divorced and it's really recent and you're still living in the same place where you were with your ex, you're not going to move this week, but you can go away for a long weekend, right? You can even do an Airbnb that's maybe not too far away, even if you did it during the week and you still went back and forth to work. So be really, uh, be really creative with some of the things that you can do to get away um, and do whatever is going to work for you because it's just to put you in another physical place so that you can give yourself time to get your head in another space. So go away, get a really nice book that you can journal in and spend every day journaling. Um, you can create cards before you leave where you can write down questions, you know, like, where do I want to see myself in five years? Um, what's something that I have now that I, that I can do now for myself that I didn't feel like I could do when I was married? So you can make up like 10 cards like this. And when you go away every day or once or twice a day, pull one out and just write longhand and answer whatever was on the card, address whatever was on the card. Oh, Wanda got her picture up. Look at that. Um, so these are just some things that you can do to get really creative about the take a vacation. It doesn't have to be extravagant, but man, wouldn't that be nice to just be able to say, I'm going to go away. And these are things that I'm going to work on. And then I'm going to have some downtime where I just don't do anything. I'm just going to relax and enjoy maybe some yoga on a beach. And what beach do we want to send these people to? I don't know, Costa Rica, what, whatever, Italy. You want to go to a winery uh, in Italy and um, uh, just spend a day having fun with you. So these are, again, we're talking about things that you can do to cope with the hurt that you're experiencing from your divorce. This is a, this is a big one. You can do this anywhere. You can do this where you're sitting right now. Um, change the things that you're focusing on because the things that you focus on are the things that become your reality. So if all you have been focusing on is how much you hurt, how much pain this person has brought into your life or what you could have, would have, should have done. My dad used to say that all the time, could have, would have, should have. If these are the things that you're focusing on, then all you're doing is basically ushering more of that into who you are. It's, it's the only thing that's in your mind. It's the thing that you're thinking about. 
And if you've been feeling horrible, it's probably those thoughts that are making you feel really, really bad. So talked about your spiritual self, physically moving, getting yourself more active so you're not just sitting around and, and feeling bad because that's really just going to make you feel worse because you're not, you're not getting your blood circulating, you're not getting oxygen you know, moving through your body. Going away, taking a vacation, whether it's a week, 10 days, two weeks, whether it's a long weekend, and figuring out what you're going to focus on. So be really intentional about the things that you're going to focus on. And this is where um, journaling can help you again. Because if you do realize that you've been sitting around ruminating on stuff that's negative, um, write that down. And then after you write that down, if it's, if it's just on a sheet of paper, write it down and read it and then throw it away. Because just get it out of your system. And then after you do that, write down something that you really do want to have in your mind, something that is good for your spirit, good for you to think on. Write that thing down and then write down all the reasons that this is good for you. And that is what you want to end up with so that you keep those things going. So I'm going to, I want to open it up here. I want to find out some of the folks that are on here who have been through a divorce. Uh, what are some of the things that you did to cope? Now, there are other things that you can do. Spend time with friends and family. Now, I know some of y'all have so many siblings that that was, that was unavoidable, even if you didn't want to. Um, but spend time with friends and family, even if it's just making phone calls. In this day and age, it's kind of cool because you can have Zoom meetings with folks without having to travel anywhere. And if you're actually having a difficult time because of a divorce, I'm telling you Zoom right now or Facebook, um, sorry, FaceTime, or any of these video chats could be your new best friend because it can put you face to face with somebody without you even having to leave home. So take advantage of the technology. I'll tell you while I'm waiting to see if somebody wants to share a couple of things you should not do when you're already hurting. Drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, weed, any kind of a vice, any kind of a chemical vice. Um, you really should avoid. I, I tell people, I don't like drinking when I'm, when I'm sad. <laughs> like, you know, people get sad or get depressed and they want to drink. I really would rather drink when I'm feeling good and I'm happy. Um, uh, you know, every now and then I'll be like, oh, I, I think this, this requires like a half a glass of wine. But you don't want to get into the habit of feeling bad and then um, using alcohol or weed or cigarettes or some kind of other drug to uh, just kind of numb you from what you're feeling because that's just a bad habit to get into because you're going to just trigger feeling worse because you're, you're trying to take something to really cause you not to have to deal with what's going on. So when I talk about, you know, don't uh, fight the feelings that you're having, if you're taking drugs and it numbs the feeling, it's not even about fighting them. You're, you're basically getting your body to, to deny that you're having them but most of those drugs, the alcohol, weed, most of those things actually make you more depressed anyway. So they're not going to make you feel better. They're just going to numb you. So let me see if anybody here, um, what are some of the things that you did to cope going through your divorce? How did you deal with it? Did you work a lot? Did you pick up a hobby? Did you hang out with friends? Or did anybody just kind of start partying for a little while? And that may be something that you do temporarily. You probably don't want to get into the habit of partying every single weekend. 
Uh, because again, that's sort of a way of escaping what's going on instead of figuring out how to deal with what's going on. I think that's one of the reasons I love uh, Byron Katie's book so much because in Loving What Is, she really forces you to have to break down and analyze what happened. So, you know, you can take one thing at a time and really break it down and then see where do where did I fit in that? You know, what part, uh, what role did I play in this, if any? And once you figure that out, you can start thinking about, well, maybe what would I have done differently or what do I do about that now? You know, so the next time something happens, what will be different? And then you just learn to, to own certain things. I'm checking down here to see if I see uh, see hands up. From my, my divorce folks down here. Um, I did want to, I wanted to check with, check something. Oh, here we go. I got somebody on here. Um, I was going to check too, when you heard the shock, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, testing, acceptance, and rebuilding, I want you to look up uh, the stages of grief because it's really interesting to be able to look those up and read which, what each one of them are and ask yourself, okay, you've already been through a divorce to be able to say, oh my gosh, now I know what that was that I was at. We, most of us will recognize the anger. <laughs> most of us will recognize the shock if, if it was something that you didn't initiate, but you can go through shock even if you initiated it. But some of the other ones we may not have put words to. All right, Ma, I see you're on here. We can hear you. Okay. Hello, everybody. Um, and a lot of the, a lot of the, um, a lot of the helpful hint mm -hmm. about dealing with the loss can also be uh, related to death, the death of a loved one, um, because we do have often some anger. Why did mm -hmm. God do this? Because we blame everything on God, mm -hmm. um, and and anger. Um, oh, yeah. Grief. Yeah. The stages of grief. Um, I had said earlier, they're the same. They yeah. are for death and for, cause you're still dealing with a loss. Yeah. Right? yeah. You're, st you're still dealing with a lot. Do you remember, do you remember any going through any of them or which ones you remember going through? When well, you through? well, when Perry died, um, I didn't go through that with a divorce, divorce, uh, separation. I moved away. And it was a happy time. And that's another thing. Everybody's divorce isn't sad. Yeah. Um, yep. Some some of us, and I've had a few friends also, we had one girl who, when she left her husband, we went out and, and had a great time because it was a happy time for her. It was like she got her life back. Um, so every divorce isn't a, a cause for sadness. Um, but yeah, when Perry died, that was very, very difficult for me. Mm -hmm. And I guess, uh, you know, grief, you find yourself crying when you hear a certain song. Um, you know, and I, I try to spend as much time thinking about all the good times that we had. Mm -hmm. Because if you just focus on he's gone and he's not coming back and right. blah, blah, blah. I mean, that that isn't going to that's yeah, not going to do anything. You. Yeah, yeah. Like and, a, and, and I'm just going to people as she's talking about this as it relates to death. I just want you to think about it in terms of divorce. And I do want to say this, even for people that celebrate their divorce, um, you know, there are some people that have been in really abusive, really dysfunctional marriages and they're yeah, relieved right. to get out of it. 
I, I still want people to understand that doesn't mean you will not go through some of these other stages. Right. You still right. have a right to be angry. Cause I I had to ask one of her ask one of her sisters, you remember her being a little bit angry at Mr. William Sherman somehow, um, at some point. Because I you well, know I was even, still young. Yeah. I, I just thought he was a yeah, well, anyway. And I was. That was yeah, anger. You, yeah, you were angry. And and sure. I want people to understand and that's why I tell folks, write things down. And it, it has been a minute for you, so it's been a it's been a while yeah. to try to remember yeah. back. But most of us are going to go through some of these. And, and, and it's just because your life's been changed. You know, even, mm. it, 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 you know, you might be happy to move. You might move to a new home and be really happy, but it doesn't mean it doesn't create some kind of inconvenience. I think especially for people, excuse me, uh, for people who have been married for 10, 15, 20 yeah. years. Yep. Uh, your yeah. children have grown up in that house. You've yep. been together for 20 years. Yep. And then the divorce comes and yep. that would be just devastating. Uh, yeah, or to, people with small children. I mean, you yeah, had to move with yeah. two two little kids. Yeah. And, you know, I tell for folks, look, I, I want you to understand, even if it's even if you know in your heart that this is the absolute right thing for me and I'm going to come out of it better. I want you to give yourself space to right. go through whatever emotion you go through. Yeah. And that's a hundred. The grieving process is a hundred percent normal. It's almost like, you know, I remember when my grandmother was sick and we were, we had to prepare for her death, you know, the funeral home, we had to pay for the funeral home in advance. What was that for the Medicaid or Medicare or whatever, yeah. all of these yeah. things. And I tell people we prepared in every way that we possibly could, and we still weren't ready. Right. <laughs> you no, know, no. you can do you all never, of the preparation. No, and so you you go through those things. I, I have Wanda on here. So let me see. Hey, okay. Wanda, can you hear us? I sure can. And good evening. Good evening to you. Good to see you on here. I like your picture. Thank you. <laughs> now, I don't know. I, I, I'm listening to you. I really do understand. And I'm thinking about it in terms of my mom and my dad. And what the children went through. I know what I went through, my sister and my brother went through. And I understand the stages. So years, here we are years later, and they are the best of friends. They were. Mm -hmm. Until mm -hmm. he died, they were the best of friends. They talked to each other every day. Mm -hmm. Sometimes two, three times a day. She knew everything about this man. And he knew everything about her. I think one of the losses was that when they did divorce, she and he actually lost their best friends. They had known each other since childhood. So it was hard, of, I think, harder on my mom than it was on my dad. Mm -hmm. When they divorced, he just went his way and she had the children. So uh -huh. she had everything on her from that point. And it took a lot for them to come back together. But when they did come back together, it was like they were those 15-year-old kids again mm -hmm. who knew each other's family. Culturally, they were the same. They grew up in the same neighborhood. Their friends were the same. If someone died in Philadelphia and he was in Maryland, he was here in Philly. He, was, he went to Philly for the funeral because he knew everyone to him. I mean, to all his nieces and nephews on my mother's side, he was still mm -hmm. Uncle Warren. And to 
the same thing on his side. She was still, um, she is still Aunt Frances, and they still call her his his brother's kids. They yeah. still communicate yeah. and call her. So it was a very difficult time, I know, for her. Mm-hmm. And to watch her go through that was something that I will never forget. And still, and it's terrible because as, a, as one of her children, I remember trying to make up for that. And there's no way that I could make up for what happened. I can't make up for the divorce. I couldn't make up, but I tried. Yeah, yeah. I think, man, thank you for sharing that, for, for both of you sharing both of those experiences, because I think watching your parents go through a divorce, you know, it, it, especially if you're old enough to understand that's what's going on. And I can remember one of my nieces um, when my sister and her dad broke up. Um, but what I love about your parents' story is your mom, they probably they both went through some form of grief and it sounds like oh, your yeah. mom you you saw your mom so and it seems like that might have been worse at what you witnessed but there was something about going through that that allowed her to heal enough for them to create a really great friendship and a bond afterwards and maybe yeah. connected to the fact that they had grown up together and so they had all of this history that they were but they but she still needed to go through whatever her grieving stages were. And I recognize them. I recognize when, you know, when you're talking, I remember her going through those, oh, it was awful. And Mm -hmm. through all of that though, she would never say anything bad about Mm -hmm. him in front of us, never. How old were you? When they first uh, separated, I was 12. And they were on and off until I was 18. My sister was six when they first started this. And so she was, when, when they finally got divorced, um, I was 18. So my sister was 14, I guess, when they finally, finally made it final. So it was on and off. But never, ever. And, and the other thing that I remember is, um, we went from a very nice um, economic, I should say, uh, status to not so good. <laughs> to something, <laughs> something else. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it was rough. But as a kid, I didn't understand that. And I didn't know that until I was, I didn't know when they first broke up, you know, and they were back and forth. I found out when I was about 14, 15, mm-hmm. I found out and it was quite a jolt to the system because before that, we just had what we had whenever you wanted it. Not right. that we were yeah. spoiled, but it was no waiting for anything. Yeah. I think my I mom, mentioned... even after divorce and after when she was going through that, the back and forth with my dad, she never let us know. Now, was she working before and and after? Had she been working before the divorce? Yes, she she did go to work. She did go back to work. She was a stay-at-home mom. Mm -hmm. We were very young. She didn't work until they started going back and forth. 
with the breakup. Yes, I'm here. No, I'm not. Yes, I am. You know, that kind of uh, stuff. And she said, yeah, so working. you, so man, yeah. So you guys saw a lot, but it's interesting now. That's why I wanted to read the list because for a lot of people, they don't even realize that they went, they know they went through something, but they don't have a word for it. And, but when you oh, hear it, it's like, okay, I do remember the shock or I, you know what? Yeah. I do remember the, oh, I can't believe this is happening to me. The denial yeah. or the, well, like I said, a lot of us can re- recognize the anger part. And, and then when you get through, see your parents went into that acceptance. Mm-hmm. They, got, they got to acceptance and they got to rebuilding their lives separately. And it still allowed them to maintain a friendship, which is, oh yeah, you know, that's sort of like, that's a Will and Jada Smith and his ex-wife kind of thing where it, it wasn't always real pretty, but they figured out how to have this extended family. Um, my parents ended up learning, you know, figured out how to have, I'm not going to say an extended family, but my, my mom and my, my stepdad had always had a good relationship with my biological dad after they, you know, after mommy and Perry were together. So we got to see people who used to be together and had gone through all of this, still be able to have a adult relationship or friendly relationship with each other. You know, so we know it's possible. I think it's easier when you can be honest about having gone through what you went through and you can get to accepting what's going on. I think for people who hold on to the anger, we all know somebody who holds on to that anger and the mm-hmm. marriage has been over 20 years and they're still mad. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, mommy, oh. we were just talking, I'm not going to mention any names. We were just talking about somebody recently. Uh, the woman has gone on and has her own relationship. The The husband has gotten remarried, but the, the, the woman is still angry with this man. And they have been divorced and he's remarried for years and she is still angry. And it's just like, you know, how do you move on from that if you're just going to be stuck in one of these stages? I think that one problem that mom went through was because they were so close and the families were so close, families were so close that my father's brother was married to a woman named Catherine. And her brother was married to my mother's sister. Oh, wow. So it's like, yeah, three-way cousins, you know. But but what happened to us was, and when I say us, it was my mother, I felt like sometimes she wasn't allowed to be angry because everybody still loved my dad. Oh, yeah, that could be that. And and that speaks to you know, giving yourself permission to go through those emotions, but you also have right. to spend time with people who are going to allow you to feel what you feel. And I don't know if I talked about that last week, but I, I mm-hmm. was reading something where people get so uncomfortable with you not being happy. And that's when you hear people say, oh, don't be in that kind of mood. Oh, come on, you need to cheer up. But he's still a nice person. And I remember friends saying that to me. Uh, with my last breakup, they were like, oh, he's got a good heart. He's And at some point I told my mom, I says, you know what? I'm not, I'm not hearing that from people anymore. Don't tell me about the person that I was with when you saw them every now and then. I know what mm-hmm. I was living with and I have a mm-hmm. right to go through the anger and the, all the things that I needed to go through. I had to give myself permission to do that and stop people from telling me that I shouldn't be there. Right. 
You know, it's like, no, I'm going to be angry and this was frustrating for me. And if you aren't comfortable dealing with that, then I just won't deal with you while I'm going, I'm going through it. But don't tell me, you know, you shouldn't be upset or you shouldn't be hurt. Your life is great. I know my life is great and I, my life can be great and I can be pissed about something today. There you go. You know, because, you know, we I don't know why we think it's closer to God for us to never be angry. He flipped over tables in a temple. So Jesus <laughs> is like... <laughs> you know it ain't like he didn't know we could have we had this capability so it's given you know you don't want to be you're not trying to be destructive or malicious or or hurtful um but you got to be honest with yourself about what you're feeling and you need to have people around you that give you permission to say and say things like you know what i understand why you're upset you know Mm -hmm. you got reason to be upset so what do you need for me today you're not going to go break anything you're not going to go hurt anybody but you can be here and be upset and let's, let's talk. You, do you need to talk? What do you need? Um, so yeah, I can't even imagine having like two sides of the family. Well, you know what? I kind of can. My sister, um, her ex, I mean, he's, he was always really close to my, to our dad. So even after they divorced, you know, Ramon was going to be around and now, but now they're at a place where they can be they're They're friendly. The kids, everybody's fine. But there probably was a period, you know, where and I think all of us can I can remember, you know, breaking up with someone or going through one of my divorces and that ex wanted to come and spend time with my parents. And it's like, no, when you when we broke up, you lost that privilege for right now. You can't just be popping up over here. (laughs) Yes. So, yes. um, Yeah. And so I can I can only imagine your mom is like, oh, no, really? This is I got a deal. Yeah. Okay. great. Good for you. So you're going to be hanging out with him. And so she had a hard time finding that separation so she could just feel what she was feeling because your whole family was like, oh, here comes uncle so-and-so. Exactly. Exactly. Interesting. Exactly. So no, thank thank God for his, his mom never did that though. His mother never stopped treating my mother as if she was her daughter. Uh, yeah, and that was my mom with uh, with my my dad with Billy's family. Matter of fact, uh, when she remarried my dad, my dad. I know this is so confusing to people. They're like, which one was dad? I had two dads, people. Um, so my when my mother remarried my stepdad, who raised us, my biological dad's family fell in love with him, and they would he got invited to that side of the family's reunions. So there you go. yeah, and so I mean that's a blessing. But I think it only happens when people are really honest about going through whatever their stages are and really working on their coping skills. So Mm -hmm. nurture your spirit, do what you need to do to feel good, develop new friendships, date again, have some other relationships in your life so you can get that part of your life back, you know, back together and see what that feels like just being around people. And when you do that and can get yourself in a healthy place, I think you can then be friends with your ex. Now that doesn't mean y'all going to be double dating, but it <laughs> mean, but some people have figured out how to do that. And I think it only happens because people have learned to heal. They've given themselves permission to hurt and to heal. And yes. then you can kind of let all of the stuff that happened go because you realize I'm in a better place and I know I'm not supposed to be with that person. You know? Right. And even after they became very good friends, I remember my mother saying to me that, well, one of one of her nieces had said something to her about you and Uncle Warren. And she was like, 
No, that will never, never happen again. I don't want that. And I hope nobody really believes that I want that. If there's a high no. five on here, my mom is yeah. probably trying to hit it right now. And so is, so is Nadine. They're both probably trying to hit the high five button right now. No, it's like, and people understand that you can be in a good space, have a friendly relationship with an ex and know in your heart of hearts that you will never go down that road again. Never. And he even, with him, it was like, I made the biggest mistake ever when I left your mom. And I said to him, yep, you did. Yep, you sure did. <laughs> Not going to lie to you about that one. Well, Wanda, thank you again for sharing. You're welcome. Thank you for, for sharing. I don't know if anybody else wanted to jump up in here, but I, I really appreciate that because I just think it's going to bless some people to hear the different stories and how people have come through. And even my mom sharing about, you know, the friends who... Look, I'm see I just saw one of the most beautiful cakes I have ever seen and it was a divorce cake. And you know how you have the couple standing on top of the cake? Well, there was the the woman was standing on top of the cake and she had pushed the guy over the edge and he, <laughs> he was so he was fall and you would be surprised the number of people on Facebook that were so upset and offended. Oh, that's horrible. And I was like that is the funniest dag on cake I have ever seen in my life and it was beautifully made. Leave this cake making lady alone. She says, I make cakes to order. This is what the woman wanted. She had been in a horrible marriage and this is how she went. And I'm like, you don't even need to explain it. You need to just share your phone number so other people can order that cake. So figure out what you need to cope. I should add to this list, laugh. Laugh as much as you can, as often as you can with people who like to laugh because a good laugh is going to do you good. It's going to make you feel better. And it's going to take your mind off things and, and put it on some stuff that's lighter. So keep your sense of humor, even through all of this. I trust, trust me, you can never go wrong finding things to laugh at. So I want to thank everybody for, for being here with me this evening. This has been Divorce is Not a Destination, folks. This is your life. It's your journey. And divorce is not a destination. Don't get stuck there. We're going to keep you moving. Bye-bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Divorce is Not a Destination. Recommend the show to your friends and family. Enjoy past episodes, be a part of my live audience, and see upcoming episodes by registering for access at firesidechat.com backslash Lisa Summer Hour. That's L-I-S-A-S-U-M-M-E-R-O-U-R. You can connect with me at www.divorceisnotadestination.com. Go there for my social media links and access to replays happening here on Fireside and my YouTube channel. Until next time, I'm Dr. Lisa Summerauer here to remind you, it's your life, your journey. Divorce is not a destination.